This episode of The Moment with Brian Koppelman is brought to you by Amazon Alexa Skills. Find your favorite skills today. Just say, Alexa, what are your popular skills on any Alexa-enabled device? Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Um, Our guest today is Maggie Haberman of The New York Times. Maggie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I invited you on here on Twitter a couple times, and... um, I promised that it would be polite. That was before we got to know each other and realized we had close mutual friends. So now you know. Now, now it won't be polite at all. Now. Yes, now I know. Now I get it. Yeah, I can't. No guarantees. Um, um, you know, I've been fascinated with the position. I, I would say you found yourself, but that's not true, the position you put yourself in through a lot of work and focus. Um, but I feel that you are in a, a particular and fascinating and unique spot in the culture right now. Um, found myself, I think was right, actually. I mean, I think, I, yes, I, I worked hard over a long period of time, but I didn't expect that I was going to be covering the White House uh, two years ago when this campaign ended, right? So this is this is, this is is a happenstance moment. Um, I mean, I think that, um, I think that I, I have known Donald Trump um, for a while and in a way that most of my colleagues didn't. So that put me in a unique position. Um, he is obsessed with the New York Times. So yes. that puts me in a unique position and all of us in a more unique position. But the confluence of, you know, my knowing him plus the paper that captures his imagination in a way that nothing else does um, has created something different. I've heard you talk about that stuff. I, I, I did a pretty deep dive um, <laughs> and listened to a bunch of podcasts wow. and read a bunch of interviews. And um, Thanks, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss of time. <laughs> No, but one thing that struck me, and, and this isn't about Trump, this is about you, is, is that um, see, it seems to me that, that humans, it's clear humans need some time to uh, reflect and to downshift, processing time, decompression. I think and I know it, where this is going. Well, it's just clear from your interviews, like that long form episode was almost SNL level. It was horrible. The, way, was, I, the way I was with him, I felt so bad. But it was yeah. almost SNL level in the your, the, your lack of uh, ability to disconnect from... And we all understand it, right? Because we're, in a way, you are, um, you're a synecdoche for the rest of us and our engagement with this. Um, I don't disengage. Uh, My colleague, Amy Chozik, actually had a great piece today in the Sunday Review about how uh, everybody is sort of addicted to the Trump show. And I do think that there is something to that. So yes, I think for those of us who are serving as sort of the the adapters, right? Like we're the cords by which the material is flowing through. Um, there is some of that. And I think there, I have felt an obligation to not disconnect because if you disconnect, you lose your place. But isn't there, but I want to, this is what I want to question uh, that. I want to question that because um, the adapter uh, has to run has to run clean without interference. Yes, yes, it does. And part of your job is to not just be an adapter, but to be a prism in a way. In a way. I mean, I think that, look, that has been, you're raising something that I think has been the, an issue, and you know this very well, for the last two years of the what, what the role of journalists is in this moment in time. Oh, that's and, something, yeah. And so journalists play very different roles. Um, I, I do think that it is I have taken more steps back now than I did during a lot of the interviews and podcasts that you're talking about, especially the long form one with Max Linsky, where I was literally writing a story as we were talking, which was nuts and like not ideal, um, but but was necessary because we had this interview set up and something was breaking at that moment and there was nothing I could do about it. Um, 
now I can step back a little bit more because um, the Kavanaugh stuff, which actually is like authentically not clear where it's going, right? Whereas like much of these things have been kind of showy. And um, I, aside from that, in the last two months, it has actually been easier to take a step back and reflect. Um, I wish I had been able to before that. It's not so much, I guess I, I see it as less of a choice than I think some people would imagine. Yeah, but I want to go deeper on that. Like, well, because I understand it, right? Um, I understand the impulse to let the work Speak for itself. The immediacy of the work. <laughs> yes. No, the also the immediacy okay, yeah. of the work no, no. drive the process yep. in a way. Yep. But as a human, as like I'm, because you know, watching the Showtime show also, the Fourth Estate gives one. I was at the premiere of that, and I would say it it engendered in me a real empathy for you that I didn't have before. But the question is, thanks. Yeah, well, before I really was angry, <laughs> but but the question is, uh. Would you do your, is it possible you would do the job better if you built in two hours a day or an hour a day to meditate, journal, like disconnect from the endorphin hit? I guess it depends what the definition of better is, right? I mean, yes. so I think what do you I, think though? Um, I don't think that I would do the job better on the day to day. I think that what I would be able to do, and I have started doing this actually, and again, because time permits now, is... I can look down the field a little bit more. I can communicate with colleagues who are working on similar things and we can compare notes about what this one has heard, what that one has heard. Um, on my way here, I was talking to a colleague about um, something that she had heard and then I had heard something related to it this morning and a light bulb went off in my head and I think we think that these things are related but you wouldn't know that if we weren't talking all the time. Um, and to be clear, um, there's other colleagues who I've had these kinds of conversations with but I'm able to sort of expand the repertoire I think now that things are calming a little bit and it's a little easier. What about inside you though, the churn? Are you able, because as a human, right? Yeah. Part of this. Yeah. Are you, do you find it necessary or do you think, well, I'll just pay for it later? I don't even think, so I don't, that's actually not even a conversation I'm having and maybe that's a problem. So I always think about this when this, come, when this comes up. Um, I, my metabolism was formed partly at Politico where I was for five years and I had a blog, I had two blogs actually. Um, but honestly, I mean, I came to Politico with a certain metabolism and it was just sort of beaten into my brain over, you know, a decade, almost a decade by an editor I had who I love and who I'm forever grateful for named Greg Birnbaum, who's now at NBC. But I will never forget that in 2001, I was assigned to Mike Bloomberg um, for the mayoral race. And I was very angry because it's like, this guy's not going to win. I can't believe this is so unfair. I, it's just, and I, I don't know who I thought I was. I was 26. Like, I well, no that's why you were so right, sure. Of course. And it was, and but so, but, but everybody was convinced this guy was Pierre and Frey and why are you attached to him? Um, and, and Bloomberg was just empirically a bad candidate, right? He was just not, he had never done this before. He didn't want to learn. He didn't want to be taught. And, very early on, one of my colleagues received from somewhere a piece of direct mail that Bloomberg had started sending out. And he, he sent out tons of direct mail that campaign. It was sort of unheard of how much he had done. And in one of them, he described himself as um, running a hospital. And he was referring to Johns Hopkins, where he was, I think, on the board or might have been the chairman at one point. But it was, an, it was a bit of a stretch, to put it that way. And my editor said, we have to do a story on this. And it was 8 p.m. And I was getting ready to go meet my then boyfriend, now husband. And I said, I will do this in the morning. And he said, no, now. And it was 10 of eight. And I was really <laughs> angry. And I went back to my desk and we pushed it out. And so that has sort of helped form my 
response time, right? I mean, there was a lot of that during that race of we hear something, we have to do this right away. Um, and I've never really changed how I do it. Do I think that it would be, be it, it, the news cycle has sped up, right? I mean, even then when we were trying to do things quickly, it was still a daily paper. You could get things on the web, but it was not quite the same. Um, I worry about the speed at which this all takes place, especially because when we are also Twitter reliant, that tends to be part of the story. Well, the, the, for me, yeah, the, the, the most disturbing moment of the fourth estate, and I, I haven't heard, seen you, heard you asked about this, and I am, uh, really understand juxtaposition and, and how the way something's shot and the way it really is. is <laughs> you have a familiarity with that, do you? <laughs> I do understand that. But, you know, there's this jarring moment when you're watching uh, Trump speak to those police, and you're reporting uh, on a story, right? And you're re- reporting on a very important story, the John Kelly story that mm-hmm. John Kelly's gonna that r- Reins mm-hmm. is out, and, yep. and and what I was struck by because knowing what a thoughtful person you are and a, a human, which you know, Trump. That's the day Trump made the speech to those cops saying, uh, you know, and this goes to the question of what the role of the journalist is because. So Trump makes a speech and he says, you know, from now on, when you put the, you know, when you put um, a perp in a car, don't be so nice about their heads. Don't be so nice about their heads. Feel yep. free to yep. bash their heads against the thing. Something like something along those lines. It was not quite like that. But well, yes, he it said, was, um, but it was he said, enough. if you know they did the crime, no, it would. No, what he just, it, yeah. what he, it was something. It wasn't even that explicit. It was if you to be clear, it was pretty explicit. But it was he said, take your hand off. He, their heads. he said, I think you're too nice. You don't have to protect their heads when you're putting them in the car. The last thing he said was, take your hand off your he- off their heads. I would have to check. The clip. I just I think did. That, I, I think you did. That's that you positive. Yeah. Okay. I thought take the your hands. Was a it was the end of it. But this is the right. point, right? You're writing a story, and you leave there, mm-hmm. and you got the story, and you yep. beat everybody. And yep. in fact, you were really diligent and, and super impressively in waiting until it. You know, you didn't jump it. You waited to till you knew till the tweet came right. from Trump. But then, you know, you're driving away, and you're like, I'm so happy, and which I understood professionally. But the other thing that happened was Trump talked about not. And it was a, it was a much bigger a deal. And the, and you're right. It's a really important. It's a really important piece. And we had ha- and to be clear, it was a conversation that I had with my editors about what he had said. It's not that we didn't know it. Right, it's but not that's that we not in the show. It. Right, it's not in the show. You can see though in the show that I'm shaking my head as he's talking. It's not like I was sort of yes. missing this moment. Um, but it, you're you're raising a question of priorities, and I think that that's a. I think that. I think and that, making those decisions on the. At the speed right. with which, when yep. when beating the post is yep. the important thing, yep. this or, is the question. Or whomever, it's a re- it's a legitimate it? question. I mean, so what I what I tend to think about is um, honestly, there's a lot of deference to sort of what my editors think is the priority, sure. how I think how they think we should go about certain things, and that was the conversation that day, right? Um, belatedly, it became clear. Um, <clears throat> And it shouldn't have, to your point, it should have been clear in real time. What he had just said was a huge deal. Um, and it it should have been elevated. It should have been given its own headline. Um, and I think that that was a mistake on my part. I think that it was a, a flaw that if I if I could go back and do it over, I would. Um, but How much better are you than the president? Just that you can even say that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, this is the world we're living in. It's an amazing thing for someone to admit they made a mistake. I it's think, incredible. I think that, um, I think that part of the... I have had this complaint about all coverage, not just our coverage, that I think that we we all have gotten, and this is my point about people being addicted to the Trump show, is I think that the chaos has become an addiction. And I think that like the chaos just is what it is. And in some ways it's actually 
not as bad as it as it was in certain areas. He is who he is. He's no different than he was during the campaign. Every anyone who's surprised is kidding themselves, um, or was. But I do think that um, there's a lot of things happening at agencies that we are missing. There are think one of his one of his skills as a politician, and this was part of how he survived the primaries, was he would throw out so many things in each speech that nothing sort of permeated just this kind of sheen that he puts out there, right? And so what you're talking about is an example of that because we were all focused that day on Reince leaving. Everybody had a sense that Reince was about to be gone. Um, And then as it turned out, there was this far more significant thing that the chief law enforcement officer in the country was saying. So yes, I mean, I think- Yes, which is forget due process, which was thematically a bigger Correct, and and which we have seen repeatedly, right? Which is the irony of his conversation about um, Kavanaugh, which is that, you know, we're just going to set a precedent that's really terrible for this country. If if he, I tweeted about this line that he had had at this, at this press conference about what a terrible precedent that would be. Um, and somebody actually, somebody, a uh, New York Post editorial page writer tweeted back at me, also lock her up. I mean, which right. was exactly the point, right? So um, there are certain through lines of his speech and what he says that, um, I certainly wish I did more of that. I wish we all did more of, and that's but, a good example of but, that. Yeah, but even going beyond the specific, I, I mean, the the question I, I am asking is about the pressures of the time and how they affect. Like everyone calls you a genius all the time, and spending three minutes with you, it's obvious how sm- don't well, don't poor mouth it. It's clear how smart you are in two seconds of time spent together, but nobody can be at their smartest without sleep no, and fray. reflection. No, you fray. I mean, there's there's no question that, that, that look, there's a reason that pilots are told to go get some sleep, right? right. I mean, so this is, it's a oh, similar point. it's a great point. example. Like the thing in the Gladwell book when he talks about that one pilot who Correct. crashed the plane because Correct. he forgot in, in worrying about the micro pressures, Correct. he forgot the macro. Yes, and and that is an, this is this is what you're saying. I don't have a great answer for it. Yeah. Though. I mean, and, the, and I think the answer is, we are we are evolving and changing as we go, and hoping that things become a little easier. What would happen but, if you took two weeks? Um, I literally can't, and it's not because I haven't tried. I mean, I did actually take a week this summer where I was pretty much off, um, and that was the first one where I have really been off, off That's since great. yeah, since Good. the election. Um, but uh, yeah, I had I had I had promised my kids. Look, I mean, the, the that's the, <laughs> but that's the that's the other thing, right? Is it's like there are there's the real demands of the job, there's the real demands of my life. And so those are, um, those are often incompatible. Of course, um, it's really before, clear. Before you add in the lack of sleep or anything else. But it's important that people remember because we, we dehumanize. Well, we as a culture now dehumanize all these figures. Uh, well, and all institutions are denigrated and their members are denigrated. So yes. But their members aren't even, and, I, and I've been thinking a lot about it's been fun just getting to know you a little bit because I have in my own way understand the question of the access journalism thing. Because before I watched The Fourth Estate and before you and I met and realized we had a dear friend in common, I would be as angry with you because you're our avatar. In certain ways, we think you're our avatar who can write this somehow, correct this somehow, who can hold it to account. And it's easy to forget there's a person doing trying to balance all this stuff and trying to think ahead. And I'm wondering what that feels like to you. Well, I think, I mean, a couple of things. I think that um, I, I hate the term access journalist so much. Yeah, because, of course you because, do, I know. Because, well, but with all due respect, you're all misusing it. Like, I mean, because you all have formed a concept of how I do my job. No, I'm saying, it, I would have, but, I'm, but I'm, yeah. what I'm saying is I understand it because- No, I know, I get it. 
I would have had a different conversation with you had you right. and I not spent two, an hour yeah. together yeah. three yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Yes. I just would have. Right. And I believe that. Um, I mean, I think that um, I think that I have been covering government and campaigns for 18 years. I will cover whether people talk to me or not. I will cover it whether they are helping me or not. Like we don't I mean, one of the things that I think is so jarring to Donald Trump as president is that he cannot control what people say yes. about him or co- write about him and that a government devoted press corps doesn't need his permission to cover him. And he is very used, part of the whole hallmark of his campaign. I mean, I sort of laugh when this gets said about, um, uh, you know, access journalism or whatever, because it's, um, he was constantly cutting me out. His campaign was constantly cutting me out of ability to even get near him during the campaign um, in various ways. I wrote a story about him leaving open the idea of a Muslim registry in November 2015. And he spent like several days attacking me for it. And it was like, and I was one of the only people who actually elevated that to like a larger story because I thought it was pretty important. Um, There were um, reporters at other outlets who were like happily taking rides on his plane and things like that. Um, You know, I- Uh, Yeah, listen, I gave, I mean, I- Right. I gave Halpern a really hard time about that in well, real time. He's not the only one. He's in real time, though, for what it's worth, like in 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 real time. I mean, I just I, I'm just saying that like that is like that is taking something. Like that is a problem, right? In that respect, and so um, that's that's not how I covered him. That's not how I cover him. Um, and but I think that like I think that there's also just a lot of frustration that people have about. A, I think a lot of people don't understand what journalists do. And so I think that's a big thing. You're not one of them, but I'm saying a lot of people are. Um, and B, I think that to the phrase that you used is one I hear a lot of who's going to hold him accountable. There is one institution in this country that has um, the mandate of a check on executive power. And it is not, it is not journalists. It is, I mean, we, we are, we have a check on all power, not just executive power. Congress has, is supposed to be the check on executive power. They are choosing not to do that in ways that they clearly did with Obama, chose to exert their power, um, in ways they did with Clinton, in ways that, you know, I mean, go down when, the list. When the, so this this gets to the heart of something I, okay. I want to talk about, which is, are you sure that, are you sure you're not the one who doesn't know what the function of journalism should yes, be Yes, I'm quite confident uh, Because I'm not as sure. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not as sure because of the, <laughs> no, because, because this is the question is the way we've all, fu- because the country was set up mm-hmm. with three branches yep. that were supposed to be checks yep. on each other. I understand what you're saying. It, I, I know when you're that shifts, when right. the ground shifts, right. Right? right. What does that mean? Um, you know, there, there were people riding horses and buggies long after there were cars. And the question is, sure. and then, and the, the question is when the whole thing starts skidding, how does one decide the ways in which one should apply the brakes? Let me ask you a question and turn it back to you. What is it you think journalists should be doing differently? I think that the New York Times in particular, I can answer it this way. When I watch Mike Schmidt say he hasn't voted in the last two elections, and then I see the Rosenstein story and you defending it, I understand it completely. And in your shoes, I'd do it too. On the other hand, if, as people who, uh, I won't say access journalism, I, I know you don't like it, but if you uh, have a, a level of access that lets you actually get a 360-degree picture of this person that the rest of us don't have, and I've heard the whispers from a lot of people around him who think that, there are, that he's unba- unbalanced, then 
if people are quietly talking about the 25th Amendment, do you have a duty to national, to ultimate national security, not to run that piece? I no, I just, I just don't agree. Um, I mean, I understand the question, and that was asked a lot that day. But I think that number one, I think that I, although I don't think this is what you're doing, um, to be clear, because based on what you just said, I think you understand that this is not what a lot of people were doing, which was this was a Trump plant, which no, I thought no, was none crazy. of that, none of that, yeah, no, so, none of that. Um, but I'm no, asking a different question. I guess I what understand. I'm asking is, how do you order? How, if we're if democracy if if what you said is true, and I think it is true, that the Congress is, even if you go mm-hmm. back to Johnson and before, sure. you can go back, yeah, you can uh, go back a, long a long time, time. Correct. and there was always this sense of patriotism. Look at, well, Nixon. I mean, look at that. That's the, His the own ultimate party, example. Ultimately. Correct. But, but this idea that, like, so I completely disagreed with everything George Bush said. Uh, everything George Bush, the, the ecclesiastical side of George Bush, to me, made him disqualified right. in a way to be president, but- I never doubted that he had an ideal of America. You're saying that he ne- you never doubted that he put himself the, the country or something That's larger right. than I mean look that was the That's the- correct. but that was the theme of the McCain funeral, right? Was or several funerals was that um uh you know you are he believed in something bigger than himself that it was not all about, you know, glory or personalization of it and so but I don't I still don't think that if one is, if one takes it um, as fact, uh, and I think there is certainly good reason to do that, that Donald Trump tends to think about what it means for him on almost any given thing, um, than not, um, then, um, and I mean, I, I, our reporting has shown that over and over again, um, then you, um, I, I still don't see how then you get to, and therefore you should not report X, Y, Z. I guess I just can't make that leap. That's all. But, but you know, throughout history, papers saying. have made the choice, and they've been criticized for it. I mean, like papers have made they're, they're, it's these have not been made in a vacuum, and they have not been made easily. And I be, guess I, because it, when the norms slip, this is the question I have, and I, I can't because that's why I don't want to prescribe. I can't say uh, no, I get it. This is what it should be, but I can ask the question that I think a lot of people ask, which is in in extra special circumstances, are extra special methods called for and and if not can you explain why not let i think ask, that's what i'm interested let me, so in. let me flip it back this way what if rod rosenstein stein excuse me is not the figure that um trump critics think he is what if for instance rod rosenstein is not bulwarking the Mueller investigation the way everyone has decided he is what if everyone looks at the complete picture which is not just that he called for a special counsel but that before that he was fine having his memo be the basis by which Comey was fired. And it was not until after that that he suddenly did X, Y, Z. So I think that is the that is the 360. The 360 is that everyone has decided that Rosenstein is, is X. And I'm saying, actually, our reporting shows Rosenstein might be X, Y, and Z. And I think it is import, as important to show that as it is anything else. But this gets to, so that's valid, fully valid. But it gets to this question of, dispassionate journalism. I understand. I totally understand. And you still believe- I do. That it's called for. I do. What circumstances can you imagine where it wouldn't be called for? Um, I'd really have to think about that and I don't want to give a flip answer that is recorded for posterity. Um, but um, I'd really have to think about that. But I really do think that, I guess my general guiding principle is that Donald Trump is not going to be um, president forever. Um, I understand that people are incredibly angry and incredibly scared. Um, but I think that if we start changing the way we do our jobs, then I don't know how we go back when there is another president. I think about people like Lech Walesa and Vaclav Havel mm-hmm. and stuff, right? And 
how um, and 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 uh, and Thoreau mm-hmm. and 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 the idea of the journalist as dissident in Hobble's case, not like Wallace's case, right? The journalist is dissident, and the and often when that's called for mm-hmm. in history, when we look mm-hmm. at it, is when an authoritarian is is beginning to. Uh, organize mm-hmm. I understand. the systems for power, right? I understand that, but I, I guess- Do you I, feel we're not there? I don't think we're there yet, no, I don't. Now, I think we, we I suppose we could get there. Um, look- But that's, I guess that's the question. So you, that's, that's it, right? You I, don't think we're in a situation- I, Not yet, no. Where an authoritarian is gra- grabbing the reins. So the thing you started saying about China- messing with 2018, mm-hmm. right? Many mm-hmm. of us paranoid, mm-hmm. many of us paranoid people like Assume me. that that's going to be an excuse for deflection for when the elections are And then in 2020, he's going to punt the elections. It, look, and make himself, it. you know, try to make a bulwark so he doesn't have to leave the White House in 2020. I, I, it, is, it, is, it is certainly an understandable place to go. Do you think that that's crazy? I don't think it's crazy, but I also don't think that we can report based on the idea that that could be what's happening either. I think that that cannot be how we, that cannot dictate coverage decisions is on a, is on what might be happening. I think that is not what journalists should do. I think that he has, I have written and talked about his authoritarian leanings, his sympathy for dictators. I mean, he was pretty, he he described himself as being in love with, with Kim Jong-un, which I'm pretty sure if Obama had gone anywhere close to any approximation of that, ex- heads would have exploded all over the Senate Republican caucus. They would but, have said we have to impeach him, or something, or something. I mean, it would have been, it would have been, it would have been problematic. Um, and so, I don't, um, I don't think there's any question about how he views, um, how he personally views power. Right. I think so far the institutions of the U.S have held him mostly in check, which people don't actually want to look at for a variety of reasons. But look, this is, I, I don't know what's going to happen in November, right? I mean, but I, but all evidence looks like there will be a flip. Um, yeah, who knows though? And so, but who knows? Um, but I still think this is sort of something where voters have to decide what they want to do. Um, and then we can, and then we can assess whether there's a reason to question that. To question whether, well, there, I mean, I don't think. For, well, you're actually, I was, what I was referring to was you're saying that there might have been election tampering, right? I mean, like, I, I just don't think we can, we can't base our coverage decisions based on, on fears of of what could happen. We have written right. repeatedly about the possibility that elections could be tampered with. Um, we have written about government officials saying that Russians are looking to tamper with the elections. Um, I don't think there's anything more that we can do than write about that because we don't have subpoena power. We are not cops. We are not, I mean, I just, I think that, I think people, this is, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think people think that, I think a lot of people who are very scared right now are looking for somebody to be a hero. And so to go back to your Rosenstein question, I think maybe it's possible Rod Rosenstein is not the hero a lot of people thought that he was. Sure, and I think that that's a deep point, so, and you know more about that than I. And, I guess right. this is part of it is we we have to believe you know more about it than we do. Well, but, but most people are not willing to do that, and that's part of the problem. Is that well, if you I'm hop, willing to believe it, and I appreciate it. that very much. But if you hop on Twitter at any given moment, there's a lot of disbelief out there. But part of that comes from so the one thing that I was, and I told you this when I saw you, you know, when yeah. when I felt like you defended. Uh, Huckabee. Right. And that was a really, that was a- Sarah Huckabee over right. Michelle Wolf. And, right. and, and and by the way, you didn't do what Andrea Mitchell did, which was- Not at all. Say I don't she think, should I apologize. Think she owed, I don't think anybody owed anybody an apology. But on the other hand, I will say, I'll tell you how that read. The way that that read to even savvy mm-hmm. viewers of the media mm-hmm. landscape was one of two things. Either your sympathies 
were with Sarah, mm-hmm. or you were protecting a source at the risk of chilling the first amendment of chilling. Well, that's a absurd. Kind of that's absurd, and that's not how but, I do my job. So I, well, I understand. Yes, but I that's how it read. I oh, think this to is a what, lot of people. But what you're making is an argument for why people shouldn't tweet, not why people should change journalism. Okay, and so number one and number two, <laughs> like so. Look, if I could go back and undo that tweet, I absolutely would, but not for the reasons that you all think. Um, Why then? Um, because my mother-in-law had died that morning, and I shouldn't have been on Twitter. Period. Right. Like, and Rightly so, so. Yeah, that's um, terrible. And I'm I, sorry. Um, thanks, but I mean, but I, um, what I was actually trying to do was compare uh, her staying to the Mercedes and Matt Schlapp. Mercedes is a communications advisor, and Matt is a Republican strategist um and they're a married couple um they did this showy display of leaving and then walking out and then going to all the after parties and so i mean like at least sarah stayed like and so um i didn't think that michelle did anything that was um out of bounds i didn't think she did anything that was you know whatever i mean i think that 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 was what I sort of couldn't get over where I was being attacked. People were sort of reading whatever, tw- this is the problem t- with Twitter too, is that you seize on one tweet, but you don't look at the other four, right? That the same person has sent. Um, I I do think she was making fun of Sarah's looks. I know you don't agree with me, but that's fine. Other people do agree with me. Um, and I think that if you start making fun of somebody's looks, it makes it really hard for certain people to hear the rest of what you're saying. And I think, oh, thank you. Do I look like I need a... Just in case you wanted it, it's here. I look like I I needed some some fruit, Um, some sugar. Um, uh, Then I think that that you, it's needless and you don't need to do it. There's enough material on how she does her job to make fun of. Like, so that was my issue with it. Right. But just to make it, I I I think it's good that you actually got to say that whole thing. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to. Say it and let Michelle Wolf should hear that, I think. Um, I mean, or, or I don't really care what she hears, but I care, I mean. Yeah, people she can, can hear Other it. people can hear it. But I care what Michelle thinks. I understand. That's fine. She's your friend. <laughs> that's, that's lovely. We're not but, friends, but we're friendly, and she's been fine. nice to me. Um, okay. She really helped me when I was nervous on Seth Meyers a couple of times when she was a writer that's there. That's nice of her. She helped calm me down and get me ready to go that's out. That's nice of her. So for that reason. That's nice of her. You might not know what to look at me at first because I have a beard, but I do shave. Uh, because I shave the part above and below my beard, but also... At times I've had a goatee, at times I've been clean shaven. And one thing is true, I always use Gillette razors and blades. Uh, I love the Gillette Fusion razor. It works perfectly. Uh, it doesn't hurt my skin. In fact, uh, it uh, does a great job and that's why I haven't changed for a long time. And here's the great news. Now you can get Gillette quality blades at the best value and convenience with Gillette On Demand. With Gillette On Demand, you can get blades delivered directly to your door. It's a simple way to subscribe and know what you're getting and be happy with what shows up at the door. Subscribe to Gillette On Demand today and get 50% off your first order with special offer code THEMOMENT50 at checkout. Enjoy free shipping and every fourth order free with subscription. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Use the moment 50 for 50% off your first order. Do it! Do you ever think about how history will judge you in this time and your approach to covering Trump? No. I mean, because if I did that, I think I would get, make myself crazy. But how do you not? How do you not do it? How do you dis... So, all right, this is actually valuable for people doing their jobs. So I don't think I could turn it off, right? I don't read... like. I'm quite aware of the way people watch my show Mm -hmm. and I'm quite aware of the reactions to it. Including including those of us who watch it repeatedly. Yes, I love (laughs) it. Over and over and over. I love that you love the show. It makes me very happy, but thank you. But how do you, so so talk about this because I think it's useful to people in there because all of us are walking, most of us walk around 
uh, uh, really have to discipline ourselves not to walk around wondering how we're being talked about, how we're being going to be judged, wondering what the ramifications for us will be later. Well, I'm being very judged negatively right now. So I think that if I spent a whole lot of time thinking about, and therefore, or is is Twitter going to be my legacy, right? On like mm-hmm. how people behave, then I really would drive myself crazy. Um, I, mm-hmm. I often reflect on, there's a difference between thinking about how history will judge me or whether I look back day to day or week to week or even month to month on whether there are things we could have done differently. And I always do that. And I have always done that. Um, Long before Donald Trump was president, I have always gone back to stress test for myself whether I would make the same decisions. So that's it's not that- incredibly useful to yeah, do. But that's not- How do you do that? Do you have like a, do you journal? Um, I, no, I talk into a tape. I talk to my husband, um, but- um, my husband and I have this running conversation. When I say conversation, it's just me talking and him sort of Do you not journal because you don't want them to be subpoenaed? No, I don't journal because I just don't journal because it actually requires a level of just sitting there that is really hard for me right now. Um, (laughs) But so talking to a tape is easier. No, because a tape could be subpoenaed. But, um, Uh but, um, um, but, but, but the subpoena thing is a risk. It's not, preventative for me, but it is something that I know a lot of people worry about. Um, and do you, uh, so, but, but how do you, what's your, what's your process by which you will look at, do you wait six months and go back and be like, how could we've done this better? Usually it's, usually it's a, a week or two weeks. Um, and when then the story plays out more fully. The story has like, played out more fully. I, I just, in the moment, there's just sort of no point. Cause then I feel like we're reacting to cross currents. How do you figure out who's lying to you and who was just wrong? I, I mean, that, that how do you me, figure out who's lying and who's that wrong? That is literally the best question that anyone asks and very few people ask it. So I appreciate it. Um, it's really hard. And during the campaign, um, my then colleague, uh, Ashley Parker, who's now at the Washington post and who's fantastic. Um, we developed a system. We always told each other who our sources were. Um, Schmidt and I do this um, to a large degree too, but we will always tell each other who the sources are. And we would come up with, you had to have two, at least two, and preferably more sources confirming. There had to be overlap, right, on these pieces of information. Yes. And if there aren't, then everything else gets cut away. Um, and so, and some of it is also just, having dealt with a lot of these people for a very long time, over time you develop sort of an ability to tell whether somebody is actually making a mistake or whether um, they are doing something that's dishonest. Um, the motive, frankly, doesn't really matter to me at this point. All that I, what, what matters to me is whether what's going in the paper is accurate. Although the motive might speak to a different larger well, but, story. Well, but I think that we've really covered that there's a whole lot of lying going on. Well, here, I so loved I what you said on the thing. Atlantic podcast where where you said it's not chess because it's not two opponents. Right. There are six teams. Uh, and I said that. That's true. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it's, there are not. No, it's definitely not. It's, there are. No, it's like rival. It, it used to be anyway like rival gangs. It's a little less gang warfare now, but it is still every man for himself. So this is not some... This is, there's, they're not dueling narratives. It's like, it's Rashomon. That's a great reference. And if anyone hasn't, you know, we all use that term. If anyone hasn't seen the Kurosawa film, they should go (laughs) see it. It's useful to see. And it's great (laughs) also. Um, Trump's ability to co-opt people, Mm -hmm. to get people on his team Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. thing. Um, you know, you talk a lot about how he wanted to get the elites in New York to like him. Mm-hmm. And and the thing that you don't quite say, and I know why you don't quite say it, but it's underneath what you've said a lot, is that he was mostly considered a buffoon in New York. By He was considered a fraud. And I'm not, yes. I don't even feel like I'm, I'm not, I, that's not a, 
a judgment that I'm making. That is how every business person I would talk to who had dealt with him All would describe him. He was not a member of their groups. He was not a member of the Partnership for New York City. He was not a member of um, Rebney, the Real Estate Board of New York. Um, he would tell people, I'm not a joiner. But in reality, they didn't want him. If Macklow would walk into a room, they would take that guy way more serious, that guy's Correct. son more seriously than they would take Correct. Donald Trump. Correct. Um, so he wasn't able to co-opt uh, the people that he most wanted to get in this in this city, in a, in a way. It, he was very good at co-opting those b- below him, mm-hmm. or that he thought were mm-hmm. below him. That's, I think that's- Is that's that the case part. still, do you think? Um, no, because now he's the president, and so he's actually- um, you know, he 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 has such impact over whether Republicans down ballot win their primaries. He has such. I, tomorrow, I'm going to Tennessee where he's doing a rally for Marsha Blackburn, who's the Senate candidate. And um, if she wins, it will be because he helped drag her over the finish line. Do so you believe? Different. I know you can't. Won't answer that. I won't. I won't even ask it as a specific because I know you couldn't answer the specific. <laughs> Very caveated. Okay. No, because I this if I I'll ask you the specific okay. later off the air and off the record. Oh, but do you believe this one image that Trump would do would uh, blackmail somebody if he could? What was the name of that movie with? With Michael Pitt and Naomi Watts, where they show up. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? There's I don't a movie. Remember. There's a movie um, filmed in the Hamptons where two serial killers sort of show up in their house. Yes. That's oh, it. that's the original, the Michael Haneke movie. Yeah, Haneke made the original in German. Oh, that's a terrifying movie. Yes. I wouldn't go watch the remake because the first, the original, is so terrifying. The, the remake's pretty scary. Yeah, they're both Thank the same director, made both yes, Haneke. Yes. Yeah. Solid poll, by the way. Thank you. Great um, job, the, um, um It's a little. It's a little like that. It's a little, um, I don't know about whether, I can't, I don't want to say whether he would blackmail someone because that's a crime, right? So, um, but what I do think is the way that he has gotten people to, um, he has co-opted people is much like the Henneke film. He shows up at their house and he makes clear that if they don't do what he wants, he's going to do something terrible. So like whether it was reading Lindsey Graham's cell phone from a, rally stage in South Carolina at the very beginning of the primaries, reading a senator's self personal cell phone number out loud. Um, well, you just said Lindsey Graham's name, and obviously that's what I was implying. So right. uh, so you do think it's possible that he would use whatever he could to leverage somebody. He will always do whatever he can to leverage whatever situation or person he Without regard to morality. In your opinion, this is only opinion. In your no, regard, I don't opinion. think it's without total, totally without. Ah, I actually don't. You I don't. don't? No, I think that there are. I think that there are instances, um, and they usually involve either a member of his family, or somebody who he's very personally close to, where he would not do that. I don't think that this is like a universal. I know that there's a there's a perception that he'll sell anybody out, including members of his own family. But but uh, but I'm saying to a random senator reverse, though that, that he would do something without regard to morality potentially. Mm. I think it depends on what the thing is. I think that's a very hard question to answer. Fine, it depends on what the thing is. So okay, this is the way I wrote down this question that we sort of got to. But I'm just going <laughs> to ask it the way I wrote it down, okay. which is. If Trump does have true face. aims to be an authoritarian leader, and if he's declared you the opposition, why is civil colloquy still desirable? What's the advantage of it? Because isn't civil civil, civil colloquy the objective no matter what? So why should we abandon that too as reporters? I, I just don't get that idea that like somebody's doing X, so you should do Y. I understand that his his political critics feel that way. 
But I think that he has tried to make us into the opposition party, and that does not mean we should therefore become the opposition party. And to abandon civil discourse goes toward that. That's my, I mean, I, what should we Because do? you don't think that, that we're in the Weimar Republic. Like, you just don't see it that way. From I don't. the inside, you don't see it that way. But you know that those people didn't see it that way either. I, I, I do. And doesn't that ever, I, does that never worry you? That Does it never worry you the slow creep of authoritarianism, the no, Hannah Arendt that's shit? That's a different question. I know you've read all of it. I have read all of it. That's but a so then, question. what are the ways in which we're obligated to. Well, who's the we? I mean, this is. A, the citizenry. The citizenry who's aware of that's it. That's different. Um, that's a different question than what journalists should be doing. I mean. Uh, well, but you're both. And you're a mom and uh, a, a person in the society, a really smart person in the well, society. Because right now we still have a system that is a two-party system. And so if you are going against him, then you are by definition with the other party. And I do not think journalists should be doing that, period. So you would be we'll open, stop. though, if, if you felt that in 2020, if, if in 2020, and since you're not a politician, we can deal in hypotheticals. If you felt that <laughs> in, in 2020 that, uh, you know, let's say there was an election, his side lost. He said, that's an invalid election. I'm not leaving the office. Like in those sorts of situations. Well, that's very, okay, but that's very different than what we're in right now. So okay. that's very Good. different. That's very um, different. Um, Good. If, if that was that, Clear. then I think you would see a vastly different landscape of how both, obviously how citizens react, but, but I think how, how, how the broader collective of journalism would react. That's not where we are right now. So I just, I think that, Right, um, but you do have a, a person who, by your own admission, and we have wishes he were an authoritarian leader, and we have a system that has not allowed for it, and I think will continue to not allow for it. Good, because that gives that's me what hope. the U.S. because that's what the U.S. system is predicated on, and we have written repeatedly on the difference between the president and the presidency, and you have not seen that any more starkly than with this president. I mean, this is a president who is fundamentally at odds with his own administration a lot of the time. You're questioning whether he can make the administration all into him. Right now, I don't think so. If we get to that point, then we're in a very different moment. Okay, that's fair. Really fair. Um, so I, you're the editor-in-chief. How do you pronounce his name? Dean, Dean Beckay. Beckay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said- Oh, I know where this is going. Where's it going? Lies? No. Well, no. Oh. Lies. No, I mean, look, <laughs> okay. you know, I found a moment on Twitter okay. where people were critical of you because you didn't say the word lie, and then the next day you did. And I wrote a tweet saying I was real, that like, that's why you're really great because you- said Thanks. it I and you said that. it I found this tweet that I wrote before deleting a bunch of other tweets but um, not about you just you know <laughs> deleting tweets in general but um, uh, I found that tweet but no this quote where he says on that show you can think about how many people will read how big you can make your audience without selling your soul and I'm wondering I don't think that's true so I'm wondering what you think I could say it again what was one he said this he said you can as, a, as in his position and in yours mm-hmm. You can think about how many people will read it, how big you can make your audience without selling your soul. Do you think journalists should be thinking about clicks and audience size? And can you avoid thinking about I don't it? think about it. I really don't. That's I mean great. like and it's and I and I didn't even when I worked for a web-based publication. It's I am writing it because it's news or not news. I am writing it because it is information or it is not information. It is not because you know, this is going to get a lot of clicks. I can't stand misleading headlines. I can't stand stories that don't right. deliver on what they're supposed to. Um, I, I, I think that, again, clicks plus Twitter are a toxic combination for actual journalism. And yes. it frightens me. Well, so. What makes you feel, then, if it's not that, what makes you feel successful? Like you've, do you feel successful? Are you a success I, in your mind? Um, well, 
I've got um, I've got the syndrome of a lot of neurotic um, Jews from New York. Imposter syndrome, right? So I don't know that I'm a great person to assess that. Yeah, but Um, I've had a good career, and I have been very lucky, and I have had some very good mentors. But the metric for me of my success is not how many clicks I get, or what is it? Whether I've done good journalism, whether what I'm telling is a whether I beat the competition, which you know I grew up in one of the great tabloid wars, right? So like that's part of that frame of mentality. And do you think opinion. that's healthy for journalism, the thing of having to beat the competition? And I know that Woodward and Bernstein that want I, to beat the Times. I know that. So do, do you think, think that's healthy? I do think competition for journalism is healthy. I think when, when you lose competition is actually when you start seeing atrophy of local news and you start seeing state houses not get covered and so forth. And, and so as long as beating them means uh, being quicker and more accurate, Correct. then it works. If it's mm-hmm. just being quicker, then it's And it's just being quicker, right? then it's then it's just kind of stupid. Then it's just the game. Um, if it actually is beating somebody um, so, substantively, then I think it's So important. let me go deeper on this uh, uh, question of uh, access journalism, and I understand, I, let me, this is how I translate it anyway. This is how I define it. Okay. This idea of, and this is what people think, of trading. Right, well, you just. Uh, that's the but, problem. But, but, I'm but saying I, that's yeah. the question. No, that's the question I want to ask you. Do you ever censor your language or characterization of, of an event to maintain a relationship absolutely with a source. Not, okay, not. I want that on the record. That you okay, know. absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. So that's why that's why you feel like, in fact- Yes, that's why I get very the angry. The skill to be in there and develop relations. Listen, I do it for the podcast, mm-hmm. right? And I do it with, we do it, mm-hmm. you want to get a performance out of an actor, you're building a relationship. My, my, my job is to get information, period. Yes. And my job is to find a way to get that information into the paper, period. And um, the chips will fall where they may, period. And so, you're willing- you and so you feel. Do you feel that's the biggest miss, sort of I characterization? One hundred percent. Is I'm that glad people? You, and I'm glad you asked that question. So thank you. That people no. believe mm-hmm. you're trading secrets, mm-hmm. or you're going to shade the mm-hmm. way you describe something mm-hmm. in exchange for proximity. Correct. And you reject it. I, I completely. So because you I, don't do it. That's you're not what I do. You're just good at your job. And, or 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 you can think I'm bad at my job, but I'm just doing my job, right? I mean, it's like I am doing. I'm not. People are. We work in a, in a, we are in a relationships business, but that does not mean that we are in an, in an exchange business, right? I mean, yeah, this so on is, the other hand, we have seen, right? Um, and you came up in the tabloids, and I've seen this. The way Trump was able to control the tabloids in large part. He was able to control the gossip the pages. The gossip pages, and that's, that's very correct. different. I know right? it is, but, but that experience. That is an example. Those pages can at times well, be worked. But not completely. But so, but let me, okay, let me, let me throw that back, throw back at you though. So they can be worked. Um, I've, I mean, I've seen it. Sure. I mean, this is like, there's no question. Um, I wrote a story recently quoting Jeannie McIntosh, who was the deputy page six editor for a long time. Um, and is, a, is in full disclosure is a, is a good friend of mine. Um, but um, she uh, was finally willing to go on the record about something that she hadn't. For a long time, which was about how when she called Trump to ask him about Marla Maples buying two gold Lexuses um, and him making her return them, which she, they had gotten a tip about, he said, if you kill that story, I will give you something better. What was the better? The better was that he was divorcing Marla. Like, right. that's a big deal. Right. Yes. And so it's like, so the idea is like, he's, he's quote unquote working. That there, I have seen page six run all kinds of things about Donald Trump that were pretty negative. And that's, that one is actually not even what I'm thinking of. Um, I think that everybody has this misconception, not everybody, but people have a misconception that there is this marionetting going on um, with reporters by the people we cover. And, and there just, there just isn't. I mean, we, we, 
we are in a relationships business, or at least those of us who are source reporters are, but that does not mean here's how the transaction will go. We build up trust over a long period of time. But I guess the part of that that I, the part of that that I've seen the, I don't want to say the opposite play out because I think that what you're saying is mostly how I see it. On the other hand, after 20 years of having relationships with people Mm -hmm. or more in my own life, I've seen it where you, one does develop relationships and sometimes there is, there is some, is there never favor trading? Um, I'm sure that there is. And considering that we just described a sort of a back and forth on a relationship. Um, but, uh, the stuff that I write about Donald Trump is, um, a lot of, there's a lot of skin coming off of the body a lot of the time. It's oh. really, Oh, um, for sure. So I, I guess I don't understand what the, what is it that, <laughs> what do people think I had that I'm trading for? I mean, it's like, I guess that's the part that I, I find really strange. Um, uh, the posi- I guess what people would say is the position being, being that close to the center of all of it, which on some level, I mean, you do a really good job. And like I said, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with you and I, I know that. I can tell you do a really good job not to um, use any transference to put the proximity to power onto yourself uh, as, uh, uh, as though that in itself w- were the thing. But, but I guess the, really the, not the thing. so I think that is where, where some people think the, the, the trade-off is because what people want you to do is say in an article well, Trump's a monster and a liar. I, they want to hear that all the time. Okay, but that's not. I want to hear that. I all understand, the time. but I don't think that's the role of journalists, at least news journalists. I just don't. And I think that I would think that if I had never spoken to Donald Trump, it is is it worth it for you though the pillorying? Um, you know, I mean, what's my? Cho- <laughs> I'm going to be 45 in a month. I'm going to go start a new career. I mean, I don't. I don't know what. But is it worth? Is it so? It's worth it. Uh, yeah, I, I love my job. I love my job. I don't. I don't love what's happening in the country. I don't love how how toxic and broken everything is. But D- is the hope that like senators? We, so if if there is a tribe, if we're all tribal a little bit, if if uh, yes, you agree that your uh, your colleagues. I know you believe your colleagues are right to write a story, but also there's this tribal urge to protect our own. We all have to it. some extent. Yeah, sure. We all have it. Is it a pipe dream to think that senators will ever not be that tribal? Um, They're only going to not be that tribal if, well, it's not a pipe dream, but it's going to take a while. I mean, I think that our, our, as I said, I think our system is pretty. Does it make you sad ever? Often. It does. Often, all the time. Going back back to the election. I think your readers want to know that. Well, Do so, you think it's not your place to put that in? Pieces? I don't. Th- I don't think that that belongs in a news article. My sadness about the system. I mean, I think that. So let me. Let me. I think about. The, I think about this day a lot. October eighth, twenty sixteen, which was the day after the Access Hollywood tape came out, and I was staking out Trump Tower, where he eventually came downstairs and did this sort of fist pump in the crowd, and they were all pawing at him. And after I left, and I had written my story, I got a call from a top Clinton campaign person. And it was the third in a series of calls from people around the Clinton campaign who called that day. And each of them said a version of, ha, 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 isn't this wonderful? Aren't you loving this? And what I said to this person in this final call was, what is there to love about this? This is all horrible. And um, 
and the person said, well, I'm loving it. And okay, but that's the difference between me and you because you're a partisan and you're a campaign person. And I'm actually watching all of this and it's all messy and grotesque and terrible. And then the next day he brought her husband's accusers to the debate and paraded them across the stage. I think I found everything about that weekend to be the table setter for almost everything that has come since in a lot of ways. And I think about that weekend all the time and it depresses the hell out of me, every aspect of it. Uh, but okay, but this gets to another question that's often raised to you, the question of uh, false equivalencies. So like, it's a question that people, I do want to give you a chance to actually speak to it, right? Because I mean, I'm not bringing up something that you don't hear. Like, this is what people tweet about the times all the time. You guys bend over backwards to sort of build a false equivalency. So yes, the Clinton person should not be taking some joy in the fact that, uh, it spoke to, to it's, but I'm not but, saying that that person is such a terrible human and did, did, you know, was as terrible as, as saying really grotesque things about, you know, sexual assault on a woman. I'm not saying these things are equal to say that both made me depressed, but, but that's, but why but, is that my, why is that my obligation to, in all seriousness to say to people, but, to, but so you understand my saying that I'm sad, what, you know, with what is going on in our country, I need to make clear I'm really more sad about this. Well, like that's, but that's. Okay. That's a fair, no, no, Maggie, that is a super okay. fair question to ask. And I think the answer is that this sense that, that the liberal part of the media in the Times history is as being more of a liberal paper. There's no, you can't, I mean, you may, being in the inside of it may see different, but you know what the legacy of the Times has always been. Its editorial though, page has well, leaned left. That is definitely true. Anyway. For a long time, even though now there are a couple of people, right? I won't. Um, anyway. I'm not going to do that. But um, so the, the idea is that uh, it feels like Democrats are always bending over backwards in the sense of, well, let's make this fair. And the other side doesn't care. They just want to steamroll over you. And I think that's the reason people ask it. So I guess you think that's not why people uh, I, I think raise pe- it. I think people raise it because I think that people get upset when. I mean, honestly, I I think that it gets used and misused a fair amount. And I guess I'm saying this is an instance where even raising it in the context of that weekend would be um, a misdescription of a false equivalence. Um, my saying that a bunch of things happened that weekend that I found toxic does not mean, therefore, I'm saying that they are of equal weight. And but, that's I think. But here's another way to look at it. I want. I think. Tell me. Uh, so the guy calling you is being a crass political operative, right? Mm-hmm. But when he says, don't you love this? Isn't it possible that what he means is, isn't it great that they're getting to see just how dark, fucked up, dangerous Oh, I, I'm, Trump I is? I suspect that the person had many of those thoughts in mind. But no I'm question, saying, isn't but- that, it doesn't, uh, isn't that a framing that, that then... Don't, don't you think? Well, no, because it was also because it wasn't just that. Yeah, it no, was there was also, the operative part. No, of but course. it was also, but 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 that you can't divorce them because the operative part is also why it is that they then thought that they had the race in the bag after that. Well, and, that was a huge mistake. Okay, but you know yes, what? That's right. kind of so. I'm sorry. That's journalists' fault too. I mean, like I just at a certain point, I feel like everybody is trying. Not everybody, but a lot of people are trying to abdicate their own responsibility, either as citizens or readers or what have you, and news consumers. And make it that it's all that the reporter is somehow not doing X, Y, Z for me the right way. All right. Just a couple more questions. Sure. And then I'll let you go and have your rest of your Sunday. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciate <laughs> your no, time. I'm happy and to, I'm happy this to do it. This is great. Um, this, this question came from uh, Emily Hornsby, who's uh, our assistant Princeton grad. Oh, brilliant, I brilliant person. I, I recognize your name. 
And I think it's a great question. She's a young person, brilliant young person. She said, do you think that, do you think, this is what you want to know from you, that the campaign, that Trump, not just only the campaign, but Trump's organization, that they intentionally use inflammatory issues as smoke screens. So for instance, do you think the I don't care jacket was intentional or just cluelessness? Answer both the specific and the general. Um, on the general, I think that they use, they sometimes use inflammatory um issues to gin up their base and but I don't think that the jacket is one of them so I mean I think that I think a lot did you of report on the jacket like did you go and try to find out I did the jacket was not like some intentional whatever and she did not run it by anybody before she put it on she's a very small staff this is not like and and she's not uh, focused on the semiotics um, not the way you'd imagine she would be so she's not, not the way one and in her her correct her office isn't Cor- aware of the semiotics um, they were once it happened, um, but they were not before that. So, okay, here, the, you keep coming back to, and I agree with it, this idea of the journalist, the purpose of the journalist, which is to report. But if if one of the big issues is that it's the first sort of unpatriotic president of our, our lifetime, I'm sure in history there have been others. Right. But let's say the first who's not traditionally patriotic or doesn't. Well, clearly, he would argue otherwise, and his supporters would argue he's very patriotic. But so you I think already you have to said define. here that it's I clear said, he puts his own. I said that he is running as against his administration a lot of the time or operating against but, his But also the part about, it's all about how, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think earlier you said something about how he- I said he tends to view things through the lens of how it affects him. More than the country, question. Um, I'm asking that as a I question. Think more, I, don't, um, I, I, I think that it depends on the case. I don't think that that's across the board, no. So do you think the journalism, that the journalists, like who does the journalist work for? Does the journalist work for the citizenry? Does the journalist work for the ideal of America? Like what? Because that's the thing, right? You're like, I don't no, work it's for a the good partisans. Qu- it's a really, do you work no, for? it's a good question. Well, right now I work for the New York Times. And so, I mean, I think that, right. But, but I there's mean, a bigger question. There's there. a big, there's a bigger question as to what journalism is supposed to be. And that is a different point. What do you I, think? I mean, I think we work, I think we work for people who don't have power. I think that's who we work for. Um, and I think that that is uh, neither, that, that is nonpartisan. I think that we work for people who do not, who can't, often can't speak for themselves. Now, and the people who don't, um, but that's the collective we. I think different journalists are assigned to do different things. I am assigned to cover the White House. So my perspective on it is going to come from how what they do affects people. And that is part of going back to something we talked about earlier, my concern about how much of the chaos coverage goes on um, and the inside the room stuff that people are pretty addicted to, but which doesn't really tell you how things are actually affecting people, but that is who I think journalists are working for. Who is your, that makes sense. Who is your, you know how Salinger talks about the woman on the porch listening to the radio? So who is that for you? Who's your ideal reader? Who are you? That's an excellent question. My ideal reader is somebody who is not in the Acela corridor. Um, Somebody elsewhere in the country who wants to learn something more about what is happening with its government um, that is not just looking for a quick hit or who knows all the characters or, and so forth. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not a hundred percent successful at that, but that is my goal. That's a really, that's a, a noble goal. Uh, you know, the answer you gave about the, for the, uh, you know, the person who's the less privileged person, the person mm-hmm. who doesn't have standing, mm-hmm. it makes you think of Tom Jode and, and um, you know, mm-hmm. the idea, but, and I guess that's the disconnect. And, and I think that is, we might have a different, and when I say we, I'm not just talking about me. No, I know what you Those mean. Those who are critical might have an idea that when Tom Joe is saying, wherever there's a cop beating a yep. guy, I'm going to show up, yep. you know, and yep. and in the Springsteen version of Tom Joe. And so the, the question is, 
you know, and, and I, and I understand it. And I think it's really great to have had the conversation. You're saying, look, I have to tell you what's going on. I don't have to stop the guy. Well, um, Though I believe you would jump in and stop. If a I cop. saw, yeah, I know you would. I mean, if I, saw, I know that you would. <laughs> I saw somebody say, I know beaten. that you would. But but as, as metaphor, but, meta- but metaphor. Look, I mean, I think that. Um, I think journalists have done a lot to try to stop the guy in the case of the border separations, for instance. I think that journalists did as much as journalists could do there, um, and I think that was really important work. And I think that was work where the government was lying to people, and I think that was work where Kirsten Nielsen, the DHS secretary, has lied about whether there was actually a directive to do this. Um, reporting has shown there was. Somebody recently posted the actual memo that she signed. In this case, I think that. You know, I think it was a tragedy that a lot of people moved off of it. One of my colleagues, Caitlin Dickinson, has been um, covering it aggressively. She has a wonderful story today and a heartbreaking story about children secretly being moved to a tent city. Um, I would encourage everybody to read it. Um, but that's an instance where I think the media has done really well. So, I mean, I think that there are I actually- many. Yes. I think so that there's- So lastly, right. do you think that, that does it ever, does it bother you when you go to bed at night when if you're like- Look, nine out of these 11 things, not only did I get right, but I did stand up to the guy and I- It bothered, no, because I, what I tried to, what I'm trying to do, I took a over-publicized break, break from Twitter for a while and then I yes. got back on and I'm getting back off because- No, don't get back off. No, no, I am, but it's because it's, because look, what you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to become numb to criticism either, right? Because there are legitimate criticisms out there. And so, and we, we welcome, we welcome criticism that is, that is on the level. The problem is that it's gotten very mixed up with a lot of criticism that isn't. Um, I, I, I go to bed at night worrying that what did I get wrong in a story and what can I do better tomorrow? That's what I go to bed at night worrying about, not whether I, you know, did I do enough standing up to X, Y, Z? I mean, cause it's, because I think what matters is whether I got the story right. And if we get the story right, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So I just, that's... That's how I look at it. And I'm sure people will take issue with that, but that is how I look no, at it. No, that's a great point. And, and, and lastly, I'll, I'll say to you, I think there is a way for you to frame this for yourself that it's part of how competent and smart we all think you are that makes us disappointed. That makes the sense. Makes you so disappointed in me. The, makes, <laughs> yes, that's why we're disappointed in you. If I could just be a complete Jewish mother and give you the compliment no, while really tearing good. you down. No, 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 but good. that's the idea is that everyone feels like you are the one person out there who's both close enough to it and smart enough and tough enough to stand up to it. And that... And and you do so much of the time that when it feels like you don't, I think is why you get that brush well, back. Well, I appreciate you saying that and I hear you. All right. Maggie Haberman, thank you. Listen, uh, keep her on Twitter by saying nice <laughs> things to her on there. She's at Maggie NYT on I Twitter. I'm true. at Brian Koppelman. You can email me, but listen, you can email me if you want to talk about anything at the moment, bk at gmail.com. But no, I don't want to harangue about Maggie Haberman, who's clearly doing not only the best she can, but pretty much the best anyone could do in the spot in which she finds herself. So I will delete your screeds. Um, Maggie, thanks. You're going to forward them to me. Thank you very much. I will much. not forward them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, bye, everybody.